What Christmas trash have we enjoyed this season? Well, I have to catch up. I feel like I know what you've. Yeah, because we we've been following very closely. Because I can't, I can't hold back my. No, nor should you. No, should you? Yeah, no. You you have to share your your Christmas. 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 Time was Christmas. Oh, okay. We we both agree that Charles Whitley is is a snack. Okay, I need to. I will do that maybe tomorrow during the day. The weirdest thing of it all is that he's so hot that I kept finding myself wondering. Why is the female lead looking at him so coldly and angrily okay. so much of the time? I had this I had this inkling the first time I watched it. When I was watching it with Chris, we kind of honed it on. She has this like kind of crazy face where her eyes are really wide and her eyebrows are really worse than mm-hmm. high. And I it's I was kind of realizing it's like more of a thing she does when she's in her sort of like uh, museum persona mm-hmm. of like the, the I'm Rosie the maid. Yeah, yeah. But she doesn't seem to know how to turn it off when she's trying to be natural. And so a lot of the time she comes off as like very artificial and like creepy. Like she'd be really, yeah. she, I think she'd play a good serial killer. It would be, it would be amazing. She also just has, <laughs> there's a very cold quality to a lot of her expressions that it like, it didn't match that when the male lead is giving you like smolder and come hither in pretty much every scene and I, it just didn't match. She just kind of looks wide-eyed the whole time. <laughs> My problem is that she's like a Stepford person. Yeah! You need a spirit of Christmas! Ha-ha! A spirit of Christmas! Tell it, Sam! Yeah, the spirit of Christmas never goes away. to another episode of Why Did We Watch This, the podcast where three friends sit down with a themed cocktail, watch a troubled movie, discuss what worked, what didn't, and how they would fix it. I'm sorry, Chris, I gotta tell you, it's not just another episode. It's our holiday spectacular episode. You're right. I'm being a real bell sickle about it. You sure are, bell sickle. Can turn you to stumpy little elf. It just deserves more pomp and circumstance. Well, and for my part, I am Chris. Thanks for offering, but I have terrible anxiety, Ravel. <laughs> I am Lee. I believe in a chain of command, Delahanty. And I am Brendan Jackalody Trishler. And if you couldn't tell from sounds pretty cool, huh? Yeah, it sounds amazing. If you couldn't tell from any of that, we have just watched Christmas Chronicles two. That's right. The sequel to the first Christmas Chronicles on Netflix. Which we also did. Last year's pick. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah, I mean, it was a real mess. Uh, it had Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, kind of end of... Uh, I mean, it's got, look, it's, got like, it's got most of the people from the first movie, right? So if you remember them, you've got this. You've got Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn, Darby Camp as Kate Pierce, Kimberly Williams Paisley as Claire the mom. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fuck this up. Jazeer, I guess Jazeer Bruno as Jack, the little kid. Julian Dennison as Bell Snickle. Tyrese Gibson as Bob Booker. Judah Lewis appears as Teddy Pierce for like all of five minutes. That's mostly it. Beautiful. Oh, and Malcolm McDowell plays the head elf. <laughs> oh my god. In a role in which the cause... Khan the forest elf. That's yeah. right, the Sakhan, the leader in of the, the forest elf. In the very snowy forests of Turkey. That's right. Um... Yeah, I definitely, like, recognized that voice and was like, who the fuck is that? I know, it took me a while at first. Uh, Turkish elf with a British accent. That's, right. <laughs> yes. That's right. Classic Turkish actor, Malcolm yeah. McDowell. We all know that the Turkish forest elves have very plummy English, English yeah. accents. I mean, maybe he watched a lot of Malcolm McDowell movies, and that's how he speak English. Yeah, they sure do. Before we even get into any more of these details, um... This is a much more complicated question this time, but what did we drink? We drank a lot of things. We drank a lot of things. So as you may have noticed uh, from the mini that preceded this, 
each of us made drinks for each other as a part of a sort of like a, a gift exchange yeah, drink yeah, extravaganza. Yeah. Secret spirit exchange. In, yes. in practice, we found it was less secret than perhaps. It was a little tricky. But I think I think the, the soul of it was still there. Absolutely. Uh, the idea you still of, had to kind of work out what was in the drinks. Right. I think the idea of making drinks for other people is what it ended up really being. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's fine. That's the Christmas spirit. Yeah, yeah. I think Christmas spirit is well about the 7% that it is right now at Logan Airport. Yeah. <laughs> Good stuff. I mean, in 2020, I'm sure it's at like, what, point three? Eight of eight. Yeah. Yeah. There were all told about six cocktails yeah. at play tonight. That's right. Well, start with the ones that you made. I think everyone oh, should describe the ones they idea. made because they know what's in them. So I made, uh, I made the, the two drinks I made. One was a mimosa at the end of the world for Lee, which was half very, very, like the driest Prosecco I could find and half in Dumont. Uh, with some citrus bitters and uh, just a big old chunk of orange sort of sitting in there to suggest the presence of an orange flavor within all of that alcohol. Uh, the idea being that in in 2020, as our world is on the brink of ending, it feels like, maybe you have a little bit more like booze than orange <laughs> in your mimosa. And then uh, for Brendan, I actually did a sort of a riff on what has become a more of like a recent Ravel family classic, but we've been doing more margaritas on like Christmas Eve as just a way to like, I don't know, change it up, but also have a more like celebratory fun moment. Uh, so Brendan got a spicy pineapple margarita with, uh, you know, pineapple juice, lime juice, agave, silver tequila, and a pretty generous helping of black pepper and ginger bitters. I liked mine a lot. You know me. I like sweet. I like spicy. Put them together, and it's a real treat. <laughs> I like margaritas a lot, too, so that was a really good starting point, I think. I uh, really enjoyed it. If anything, like, if it had been more spicy, I would have been on board. I really appreciated the drink you made me, Chris, because I don't, I think before today, like, the idea of, like, putting beer I like and a sparkling wine that I like together would have felt like a taboo that I can't really make. <laughs> and now I'm going to do it all the time. Because it was pretty good. It was pretty good. I will set. What you get out of out of it is sort of like an ultra champagne where yeah. it's like... Well, the thing is, it's like it shouldn't have felt that foreign to me because we, you, you've done the um, the red velvet in the past, which mm-hmm. is like the stout. Like was it with Nativity Lobster for Love Actually? Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but that was, yeah, uh, yeah it was um, it's uh, like a sparkling rosé and rose stout. And a stout to give that kind of red velvety feel. So yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. It's honestly just a riff on like a black velvet, you know, which is yeah. Guinness and champagne. So I thought like, well, you're not like a huge Guinness person, but I thought like, well, what if I combined sparkling wine and like a blonde... Belgian yeah, ale that you like. Incredibly alcoholic blonde ale. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty drunk, by the way. Good for I, you. We've, I, <laughs> as you'll soon learn why. I am not, but I, because I ate a whole curry. Yep. I never do. Do you want to go next? Or? Yeah. Okay. Um, I had my drinks figured out within seconds, I think. <laughs> I knew that I was going to make a Negroni for Chris. And I knew that I was, I knew that you liked cherry hearing. So I wanted to involve cherry hearing. Now, and then I, the twist is that I realized that like, we used to have cherry hearing in this apartment. Took it with you and you left. So I yep. knew I couldn't ask for cherry hearing, <laughs> nor could I buy some because I could only buy it in the <laughs> Right, and that bottle. would just sit around forever. Uh, so what I ended up doing is I did a cranberry Negroni for Chris to make it holiday themed. Loved. That was easy. That was just an ounce of everything you put in, which was cranberry juice, gin, dry vermouth, and Campari, the, mm-hmm. main, the main thing that you do. And you just shake it up in a mixer, put it in, and I added some frozen cranberries on top to just give a little... Ziz. It was Zaz. tart, it was bitter, it had that amazing Campari uh, kind of like biting aftertaste. It it's was everything smooth. that makes Chris Ravel, Chris Ravel. I loved it. Tart, it was great. bitter, biting. <laughs> Those are the main three. Yep, that's it. Uh, and then for you, I, I kind of quickly figured out, uh, I just kind of googled like cherry hearing drinks and mm-hmm. I got cherry old fashioned. 
which was just to do an old fashioned and put some cherry herring in. Yeah. Uh, so I took, so I bought basically like cherry brandy up the street. It's mm-hmm. equivalent ish, but probably not as good as cherry herring. It still turned out pretty well. Uh, but yeah, I, I just grabbed some of our um, whiskey. We used Bully Boy because uh, we got to use that shit up. It's been sitting around. I don't drink whiskey that much. Uh, but it's good whiskey. Uh, I just don't drink it that much. Well, it's great whiskey. Yeah. Great, great local whiskey. Uh, two ounces of that, an ounce of the cherry brandy, a couple dashes of some orange bitters, orange slice. What it to- tells you to do is to like put it in a glass with ice and like put it all in and stir it, which this is what I did. I stirred it up, and then it says to straight it into a glass with fresh rocks. And I just as there, and they'd be like, oh, unless if you want to be like gauche, you can use the mixing ice. <laughs> specifically, what this website says. And I was like, all right, whatever. But I did take the opportunity to, for presentation value, for the first time, actually try to use the ice sphere mold. That oh, I yeah. Um, so I hope that added some sort of. It uh, did. I think it turned out really well. It added a nice effect to it. Yeah. Looks like a little snow globe or something. Yeah, there. yeah. It made for a night. But I, I think I had a decent presentation on my drinks. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed. I feel like that would not have been something I would have necessarily thought to order in a restaurant, but I really liked it. Yeah, like it, w- it wouldn't be my first thing. But so yeah, I don't so know. Enjoyable. I um had to, I got the opportunity to have each of your drinks because I was alone last night. <laughs> it was a shitty day, so just a weather wise. So I was like, I'm just gonna test out the drinks. Um and. I, I don't drink old fashions that much. I don't mm-hmm. mind them, but I was like less sure about yours because I don't drink them, and it, it is a bit sweet. I know that you generally like things that are a bit sweeter, mm-hmm. and but I was tasting it, and I was like, I hope this is okay because it it felt to me like something I would get at a suburban restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I get you. Like a sort of like like it's an old fashioned, but the cherry portion is turned up. Yeah, right. Do you, right, do you right. remember when we went to that place? Uh, oh, for Oxford, us. and I ordered yeah, a yeah. Uh, yeah. A, an aviation. Oh, it was yeah. Not an aviation. <laughs> like, it, was, it had all sorts of other shit in it. Was it, though, didn't it? No, it was just it was like a sickening. pint glass. Yeah. It was That's like, right. It was like a water glass of gin. It was like gin. a water glass of gin and like oh, fucking violet syrup. Anyway, that's it's, kind of it what seemed the vibes like you I truly threw them off with that order where they were like, an aviation? It's on their menu. Right. <laughs> Don't put it on your I menu if you can't do it. I didn't off the menu because they were making a big deal out of the fact that that's where Amelia Earhart was born. Yeah. I fucking make the drink right now. Right. Amelia Earhart's ghost is probably spinning <laughs> in her Unless grave. they're trying to explain why she went down, where they're like, it was because of this. <laughs> she thought death was preferable to drinking this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, that's the trick set. Oh. And I also want to say, I loved that you sprinkled just a handful of cranberries into my drink. It really, it did make it pop. It was fun. Yeah. It did fast of touch. Did you know, by the way, speaking of popping, just apropos, because I, I, also, I also made, for Thanksgiving, a, a drink, and it, it involved cranberry rosemary simple syrup, which involved me boiling the sugar water with cranberries and rosemary. Mm-hmm. Did you know that cranberries pop? I did know oh, that. Oh, wow. wow. Them, I yep. had to cover it because I didn't realize quite how much oh, yes. they would pop. <laughs> it's like popcorn, but yeah. in boiling water. So yeah. like, there's like Holy boiling hell. hot water. Yeah. Just so they just burst? Yep. Yeah. Yeah, they, burst. they do. They're and it says, delicate little things. It, like the syrup recipe said to like turn it down when they're when you stop hearing popping. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that was a fun discovery. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, okay, so the two I did for Chris, I did a Chris Tingle, which is a riff on our favorite British Christmas tradition, the Chris Tingle, which is to take an orange, wrap a ribbon around it, stick a candle in the top, and stick a bunch of candies attached clothes to toothpicks. And yeah, clothes and shit. And it represents Jesus. I'm obviously holding this up, and it's a visual thing on a on an audio platform, but if you can imagine... Look at a picture. If you can imagine a fair... Yeah, look at the picture, but if yeah. you can imagine a Ferris wheel made out of gumballs and toothpicks, that's what I had on top Gum of my drops. glass. 
Gumdrops and toothpicks. Yes, yeah, sorry. You're right. And I loved it. It's great. Yeah, so what the drink actually was, it was six ounces of gin, <laughs> two ounces of Aperol, cranberry clementine seltzer, a cinnamon whiskey miniature, and gumdrops. So what you do is you mix the gin and the Aperol into a glass with ice and top with the seltzer. Leave enough room for the cinnamon whiskey shot to be poured in. Pour the cinnamon whiskey into a shot glass to accompany the drink. You decorate the rim of the glass with gumdrops on toothpicks. You top the shot glass with a gumdrop on a wire to represent a candle. <laughs> and you tie a red ribbon around the glass to complete the look. <laughs> then at the end, when you're ready to drink it, you dump the little candle shot into the taller glass, mix it up, and drink it. Oh my god, and you get hammered. Yes, it is. Uh, it's yeah. pretty much just alcohol. I've got to be honest with you. The seltzer was a bit of an afterthought when I realized, like, oh, there's nothing else there. Uh, and for Lee... It was delicious, by the way. I'm sorry. It was it was great, but it was quite potent. For Lee, we did the Bootlegger Spirit, which was three ounces of Prosecco, three ounces of Aperol, one ounce of ginger syrup, seltzer, and mint leaf. You poured the Aperol and the ginger syrup into the shaker with ice... Muddle the mint leaves, then shake it, strain it into a glass with more ice, top it with Prosecco and the seltzer, and there you go. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I'm uh, glad it was, you did. It, it was like uh, a very like herbal, I think of both of our, you described yours as herbal as well. Mm-hmm. There's just a lot, it was a very complex flavor profile, mm-hmm. but it was very good. The mint came through. Was, yeah. The ginger syrup was a very nice touch. I'm glad. I'm, I think if I were doing yours again, I would add more ginger syrup. <laughs> Because I feel like when I had a little sip of yours to try it, I didn't get much ginger, but maybe it was just that sip. The fresh mint was really lovely, though. I'm glad. I was really worried that it would just be, like, too much going on, but yeah, I'm glad it kind of balanced itself out. Yeah, and it is unfortunate that Kristen then ended up with, like, just a lot of hard alcohol. Oh, I know! I know! Between the two of you, I had... Yeah, I had it's just, two, like, glasses of alcohol. I had two yeah. cocktails in probably the most purest sense, in which I think... Uh, most, if not all, of the ingredients in both were booze, but it was it was great. I I drank all of them quite happily. They were both delicious. I thought this was pretty fun. Yeah, it was. It, was. it worked out pretty booze well. Booze drinks, booze yeah. gifts, we very creative works, stuff like this. I think. Yeah, but flex our muscles. Flex <laughs> our <laughs> muscles. Off of like you know like all of the skills we've built up coming up with themed cocktails yep. over three years. So then, before we like really dig into this, who has the unenviable task of telling us what this movie is about? Uh, say moi. No, <laughs> oh, that I'm means so sorry. it is me. This is the coal in your stocking yep. this year. Kate Pierce, now a cynical teen, I think it's important to note that cynical has a hyperlink in it, oh. is unhappy spending a family Christmas in Cancun, Mexico with her mom, Claire, her brother, Teddy, her mom's new boyfriend, Bob, and his son, Jack. She wants to be back home where it's snowing and more like a real Christmas. Kate decides to run away and get an early flight home to Boston. She catches a shuttle that Jack sneaks onto. They are unexpectedly transported to the North Pole by the driver, Bell Snickle, a nefarious elf. Kate and Jack are discovered and saved by Santa Claus, who brings them back to his house and Mrs. Claus. The Clauses give the kids a grand tour of their village and all it has to offer. The four of them go back to the house for dinner. Jack and Kate go to bed as Bell Snickle begins an attempt to destroy the village. Mrs. Claus tells the kids the origin story of Santa and Turkey and how he saved the elves from extinction. The Clauses adopted Bell Snickle, but as he grew up, they had less time for him and he became a naughty elf, transformed into a human and ran away. Bell Snickle releases a beast into the reindeer pen, injuring Dasher. Uh, the beast is Joel of the Yule Cat, by the by. I feel like it's important to say that. Bell Snickle releases a potion into the village, Elfsbane! That causes the elves to go insane. He steals the star on top of the Christmas tree. Santa and the others confront him. Santa attempts to take the star back, and in the struggle, it disappears, or it explodes, causing the power to go out in the village. The elves start a snowball fight. 
Santa and Kate leave for Turkey in order to get the forest elves to build a new star. Jack leaves to get a root to cure the crazed elves, while Mrs. Claus stays behind to tend to Dasher. Kate and Santa find the elves who build a casing for a new star, and Santa captures the power of the Star of Bethlehem inside it. While flying back to the village, Belsnickel catches up to them, steals the star, and transports them back to 1990 Boston. Jack finds the root and brings it back to Mrs. Claus. Kate attempts to buy batteries for Belsnickel's device, which her and Santa now possess. <laughs> at the Boston airport to transport her and Santa back to the future. However, she is detained by security. Another kid helps her bust out, who she later realizes is her father. Santa puts the batteries in, and they transport back and recover the star. Mrs. Claus makes the root into a powder. Jack fights his way into the snow cans, places the powder inside, and shoots it onto the elves, curing them. Santa and Kate race back to the village, evading Bell Snickle as he chases them. Dasher recovers, and along with Santa, defeats the beast. Kate places the star on top of the tree, restoring power to the village. Santa gifts Belsnickel with the first toy they built together, and he transforms back into an elf. Santa flies Kate and Jack back to Cancun and their family. That's Christmas Chronicles Part 2. Duh. Did you also add in, the, did you also interject with Elfbane? Yes, I did. Were you upset that they didn't? I was upset that they didn't mention Elfbane. Very important. Very Why big is it called Elfbane when it just kind of makes them ADD? Uh, I guess that is still the bane of their existence. Yeah, they, they enjoy they, being they, quite they orderly. They their focus and That's right. discipline. And That's when right. they lose that and decide to listen to music and play bad yeah, stuff with you. Yeah, your... dance to Who Let the Dogs Out and yeah. throw snowballs. Yeah, that's bad. Mm. Elfbane. Yeah. Well, where should we start? I mean, where? Truly. <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> just because there's a lot of balls up in the air on this one. I mean, I was kind of telling Brendan before, I just felt like there was such an infinite number of subplots that kept getting introduced in this movie. Um, but I think maybe we should start with, uh, how does this movie really connect to the first one, which we also did for this podcast? Right. I mean, I can't believe they're still harking on about the death. I thought we saw that in the first one. I right. kind of thought we did too. Um... I, I feel like looking back at the first one, I feel like I remember it being a little convoluted in terms of plot because there's the whole thing about we have to find Santa's bag and we have to find Santa's hat and we have to find the reindeer and that'll yeah. solve everything. And like at the time, I remember thinking like that's a bit much. We could limit the focus. And with this one, I'm like, oh my god. Why like, is everything? I forget, but why is everything all askew in the first one? How did everything get flying? So and it falls. Well, off. He was trying to film Santa, right? Which is weirdly not a thing in this one at all. At all. Um, Except the only thing that comes back about film is that and I guess I guess they don't fully explain it again. There's many things they don't fully explain in either movies, but they what becomes clear once uh, our girl and the stepbrother get to the Santa's village um, is that multiple people mention how there's like tapes of last year's adventure. That's weird. And they don't explain where these tapes came from, but then they also, but I do remember from the first movie, it was a whole thing with like, oh, the dad loved to film everything. Right. Yeah. But you also but see Belsnickel. Where did the filming come from Well, you also one? see Belsnickel in the beginning watching the tape of her yeah. and being like, right. oh, true believer. Well, and then throughout this movie, we kind of see snatches of that film with like the elves loving it. And yeah. that's how they all know about her. Yeah, five stars. Is it just sort of some magic sort of Christmas thing that they that events about Santa can Or find? is it an extension of Santa seeing everything we do? Are the Christmas Chronicles like uh, <laughs> books that have VHS tapes in them? <laughs> <laughs> like, like really they just get like they carved the pages yeah. out. Yeah, yeah like the, the, the information within. about each Christmas gets sort of recorded into a magic into standard VHS tape. Two forty P 
Ten years yeah. from now, Santa's gonna have to digitize them all. Uh, yeah, but Santa does also code games. That's true. <laughs> he, he he likes his nostalgia. What can I say? You yeah. know, sometimes you just gotta watch It's a Wonderful Life and Elvish on a four by three standard TV. Yeah, <laughs> on CRT television. Yeah. I guess. Warming glow. Oh, I'm sorry. The other thing that comes into play with yeah, the camera yeah. is that whenever they're back in 1990 and she meets Baby Dad, at the end, Baby Dad's like, "I'm gonna start carrying a video camera around with me all the time as they leave," which, haha. Ha ha ha! It informs the character. It's sort of a crazy time loop, right? Of like hated this it. happened because of this. Right, right, right. So the only reason why he carries a camera around in the first place is because they showed up. All right, time travel. Um, one more thing, though. Yeah, yeah. About the time, about the dad uh, thing is that in the first movie, wasn't it like the whole deal that like the because of when he died that the sister had less grief because yes. she didn't know the dad as much and the yes. boy had more. Hang-ups because he had more of a relationship with her, whereas now suddenly she has all this like. Grief. That sounds right. And then, yeah. the, and then also the brothers fine with it now. But I guess yeah, went through dad, the emotional. Now brothers moved on, and now she's the one that's. And like, now she's brother. We're all moved well, on from dad. A lot of that setup is super weird uh, because the brother has literally nothing to do with most of what happens in the movie. He's written out of the film, yeah, kind of immediately. And well, he just he just have commitments that actor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Once you reach, it's like Narnia. Once you reach a certain age, you just start caring more. <laughs> or about just girls. kind of like he's like, yeah, yeah, I'll show up for three years in Cancun. That's all yeah. I'm doing. Or like what I thought was weird was about that really Cancun was that some sort of beach in Florida. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I assume it's probably California or something, yeah. right? But. So I, I guess the the whole thing we were talking about from the get go is just sort of like if you were told that there was going to be a sequel to Christmas Chronicles, the first movie, mm-hmm. would you think this would be it? Would you think no. that like what, what from <laughs> I didn't this? Think we'd be getting an elf that becomes a human. Yeah, that's weird. And this, I guess Bethlehem is super weird. I don't see the point in digging up the same group of kids, or I guess even a part of that same group as the case really is to have this adventure when the story really has so little to do with their situation I mean I get that the daughter is upset about the mom moving on with a new boyfriend, but that doesn't really have much to do with most things that happen in the movie. Well, they tried to tie it at the end, because at the end, she's like, no, Snickle, you should know that, like, you can't just run away when you have a problem, which is, like, kind of, sort of, what she did a little bit. Like, she wanted to cut her vacation short and take a plane back to Boston, which, it must be said, fucking nuts, that she's, like, <laughs> in Cancun, she's like, alright, I'm just gonna get back to Boston. When you get there, you're going to what now? To be fair to her, Cancun is a weird destination I'm not for saying a family. it's not. I'm just saying it's a very flimsy excuse to be yes. like, no, running away is a bad thing, Bell Snickle. Your family is the one who always loves you and will always be there for you. Which, like, I don't think we really learned from this adventure, you know? I think ultimately both of those appeals to this like, higher emotional relationship, both in terms of, like, the daughter to her family and Bell Snickle to, I guess, both Santa and Mrs. And Paz, Mrs. Yeah. Um, or Carol, as the case may be. That's very Carol? different. It's very different but, because, like, he, he like, sort of felt, I guess, like, underappreciated and yeah. jealous. Right. And, like, she just feels, I don't know what the fuck she feels really. Well, I, I, I think, guess that's... Right, they're try- I think they're trying to draw a comparison between Bellsnickel being like, you loved all the other children of the world more, more than you loved me. And I guess they're trying to draw that to, like, her mom being like, you love your new boyfriend more than you well, love us. But, like, it's not a great... I'll also say, in both equivalent. cases, we don't get really anything to show us how either of them might feel that way. We don't see a reason why Bellsnickel feels that way. We don't see a reason why she feels that way. Bob is fine. I mean, get that crazy flashback where he's like, I'm going to put my my name on Coke cans. Right. Right. Like, I want my picture to be on the Coke cans. I'm going to write my name on the side of your site. Like, we get it. We just get it. Like, it's it's just such a dumb way of doing it. Why are they making Coke? 
Yeah, I don't that, know. that I couldn't quite tell you. Well, there's a gen between both movies. I have a general question for like, how is Santa creating all this branded merch? Well, yeah, but I get that's fine. But I also yeah. but the Coca Cola is like a new low. That's like, true. A new can of worms opened of like this isn't even unless a, a it's toy. This unless, is, well, it's not really Coca Cola. It's like something cola, and it looks uh, a lot like. I think the style of the font. Yeah. They want it to open. look a lot like Coca Cola. What's nuts about it is that because Coca Cola does all that kind of Christmas Santa Claus anyway. Right. Anyway, yeah, yeah, so yeah. it's like, did you contact Coca Cola and demand that? Does does Santa work with the Coca Cola company to send them a new headshot every year to put on the Coca Cola cans? <laughs> well, the thing that I remember from the first one though is that he's upset by how fat and jolly he's portrayed. Oh God, so he probably cool. fucking hates the Coca Colas putting fat Santa on their cans. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it kind of senseless in that way. I. I feel like, especially in that little, like, flashback thing of, like, here's all the bad things Bellsnickel did, they were just sort of like, I don't know, general bad shit. He, it he doesn't go to... paints Bellsnickel right, on the Right, side. right. He drops gumballs on the floor. Right. Yeah. All but the bad it, things. They all don't go to a theme. They all don't go to a tragic flaw in Bellsnickel. I well, mean, they go to the elf code, right? That's what it is. Bellsnickel breaks the elf code. I guess. Which are whatever the... I, I don't remember what they are, but there are five things an elf can't do. And well, then I'm a human, human which well, is no. Gross. Number one with a bullet. That's right. Graffiti. Graffitoing Santa's sleigh. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> what I was... So what I was trying to figure out is... When you break all those, you break the five rules of the elf code, like something happens to you. They specifically say Belsnickel was turned into that which he hated the most, which humans. is humans. So, like, what happens to other elves who don't hate humans as much but break the elf code? Like, do they oh. turn into the thing they hate the most? I guess. Like, fire? Yeah, or, or what if it was, like, that, that like... Fall, falling off a cliff? That yeah. loose nail in the doorframe that always gets my toe or yeah, something. Yeah, right. Like. So, like... <laughs> I, I, uh, th- th- there's a lot of questions raised, I think, in general, by Belsnickel being a human through this entire movie for me. Yeah. I think it would have made a little bit more sense if he was a CGI elf the entire time. I'm not saying I would love to look at it, but I feel like I would have had less questions arising from that if he had just stayed the way he was. What if... Oh, my... I, mean, I don't want to go into fixing too soon. Yeah. Not part of my Here we go. Like, oh. What if there... <laughs> Wait, this is actually the plot of the of the movie we've seen. Well, what if there was like some sort of like a <coughs> she was like the whispering uh, person behind in the ear of like some, some oh like a worm tongue human? <laughs> yeah, was that it? Wasn't that Santa Claus movie? Didn't it have an elf that sort of like was whispering to some sort of like was that Noel? No, wasn't it just called Santa Claus? You mean Santa Claus the movie or whatever it was yes. with the. I don't think so. I mean, there are like Dudley Moore like leaves. Yeah, Dudley like, Moore leaves and goes to Earth and is yeah. like, "I'm going to work for you instead, John Lithgow." Santa doesn't appreciate. Yeah, me. yeah. yeah. Like, all, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, what if the elf was like, what if there was a human, but behind that human was he's being puppeteered by this like. <laughs> I see. Elf. I see. So, like, what if it was that little elf who was there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> sort of like little finger to yeah. some sort of toy. Yeah, toy yeah, executive. yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess any way you slice it, it's just sort of a mess in that way. Yeah, I yeah. mean, listen the. One thing we should not be surprised by. The individual uh, details, yes. But we should not be surprised by how fucking crazy this movie is. Because the first one already gave us a lot of insane lore. That's it true. did. Like the, I mean, the elves being whatever the fuck weird things they are in the first movie. Fluffy are, minions. Like, what yeah. are you talking about? Well, and like what little we expand on the elves as like a people in this movie, it only gets weirder. Well, because the, the there's, that... others, there's other elves, right. but they all speak elvish. And then there's like... Yeah, they're all over the world, but they have one language. Right. right. I guess, are they like Jewish people then? Are they like diaspora? <laughs> that would be uh, an interesting metaphor <laughs> like, for the movie to make. Like Elvish is... Have they just been chased or, you know, out of yeah. their homeland? It's a diaspora language. But also, their language is heavily Nordic sound. Right, right. Yes. Is. They're in Turkish. Very much. Which is even weirder. Like, why are these Turkish elves speaking Nordish? I don't know. I don't know. 
Why is the mother tongue Nordish? And then Hakan... And then why do they doubt Santa on sight? Well, he says they doubt Santa because they don't know who he is. Because they're too little. Those ones are young. They didn't know who Santa was. He says they're like 200 years old and Santa hasn't been there for five years. But then by that same token, how would they know if they saw Santa? Because he does magic and they're like, I don't know still. I don't know. Maybe who knows what else is in this crazy world now. (laughs) Jesus is apparently a thing. Yeah, Jesus is real, I guess. Okay, let's talk about that for a second because I felt that was like a weird thing to cross. Oh, did you? Did you feel it was weird that Jesus is involved in this opera? Yeah, I really did. Was it strange? Especially because I would think Christmas one of those two is here to put Jesus back into it. Back into Christmas. What I found weird about that was, and it's not like I looked at the first movie as some kind of like. Although Kurt Russell will not opine about that on the internet. That's right. You're a Jesus yeah. too. Yeah, Kurt Russell turns to the camera and looks like, but I don't believe it's my job to tell you about Jesus. <laughs> I mean, it's bananas to me then to even include it. Like, why even have the star of Bethlehem? They say Christos like a few times in Elvish when they're like in like invoking the star yes. or whatever it is. Like, that's such a weird direction to take. And then to... So that means well, there's some sort of divine power. Right. right. But then to also... Yeah. A, to invoke that and drop it is insane. But they also say that, I guess, like, he is St. Nicholas, he was right. a bishop. So, right. like, we're already starting from the fact he is that... Cl- he is supposed to be, like, the canonical St. Well, Nick. this guy okay, is a but if, person. if you're going to talk about the Star of Bethlehem, I almost feel like you then need to say, like, okay, but then nowadays we're not, like, necessarily looking at religion, because I thought, I felt like in the first movie that wasn't an issue. Right, okay, so in the first movie I think it's, it's a very secular Santa Claus. Yes! Right? Like, it is just the traditional guy lives at the North Pole and delivers toys on Christmas. What's Christmas? I don't know, don't ask questions about it. Here it is explicitly saying that there is a star of Bethlehem. If there is a star of Bethlehem, Jesus was born on December 25th, but also 0 like, AD or 1 AD, I don't know. And I am not trying to be that person of like, meh, I'm just anti-Christ. Like, it's not necessarily what uh, I'm trying to say. That's fine. But it just seems like it's a change, right? It's, it's a change. It's like an abrupt thing to introduce. No, it is. And it's one I don't understand, especially because it's not necessary for the story. And I guess the other concern then that makes me boggled about this choice is like, doesn't Netflix want to cash in on the maximum market spread possible? Why would you do something well, that would narrow that? I, I guess the point is, though, they never invoke Jesus by name, right? They call it the Star of Bethlehem. True. But they never say, like, this is the star that was in the sky when Jesus was And that born. means God is real and yada, yada, yada. Right, so I guess, like, is, is, yeah, yeah, is Santa God? There's still other things <laughs> they could have. No, because he's, he's a bishop. That's true, yeah. That's but, like, true. Maybe there was no God before. If you think about the closest parallel to this movie, which mm-hmm. is um, the Guardian, the Rise of the Guardians version of Santa, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I read the book yeah. that was based off of that there's obviously multiple books but i read the santa claus book and in that one if you want it that proves that like if you want to make it secular you can make it secular because he's just yeah. like a sort of bandit he's like a russian bandit or something that, sure like, somehow ends up in the north pole and like just finds like a an orphan girl or something that he just gets really attached to and that's how he ends up becoming santa claus is like he wants to make this girl happy like, you could have done that. You could have had him be, like, just a nice dude, a nice dude back in the day who gave oranges out to people in stockings. I mean, I feel like even if you wanted to say, yes, he is Saint Nick, that's one thing, right? Because I yeah. think, like, Saint Nick is a person, as far as we know, was a real person, yeah. right? Existed. So if you really want to say, like, yes, this real person became Santa Claus, I'd be like, yeah, sure, whatever, fine. Yeah. But I think once the fact that you're like, also, Jesus was involved in some way, too, <laughs> it's a little bit... And I think the other thing that, like, dummies it up even more so for me is the fact that this is doing sort of a grab bag of various other Santa-related 
mythos mm-hmm. in this as well. So it's not only it's just the fact that Jesus is there, it's the fact that you've got like Jola the Yule Cat and Bell Snickle thrown in here as well. Which, to be fair, I wasn't aware is that Bell either were. Is Bell also a thing? Bell Snickle is a German thing. Oh, Jola the Yule Cat is Scandinavian or something. What I don't is remember. Bell Snickle then? Bell Snickle. So Bell Snickle is kind of like one of Santa's buddies. You know how in like European countries it's like Black Santa Peter. and yeah, like Black Peter or like there's like Oof. a knight character whose name I'm forgetting. Yeah. But like Santa has a bunch of friends who show up with him every now and then. And Bell Snickle's whole deal is that in parts of Germany, he was this guy who showed up like I think a few weeks before Christmas and was like, hey kids, if you're being good, I'll give you candy or potatoes or whatever. If you're being bad, I got a stick to hit you with. <laughs> so like he's one of those guys, right? Yeah, yeah. And so the Bell Snickle of <laughs> mythology has very little to do with the Bell Snickle as we see him in this movie. It's just sort of a name that they sort of glommed yeah. onto. Why didn't they just involve like Krampus? I, 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 my guess would just be that Krampus is kind of played oh, out, right? Oh, that too, played out, or just yeah. that like we've already had a movie about Krampus, right? Yeah. So like yeah. maybe let's look for one of his other buddies. But it's not as maybe, maybe they like they flip to Black Peter and Black Peter like, oh no, <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, no, thank you. <laughs> let's not do that. I, I almost want to give them props for including references to actual Santa mythos, but the way that it's presented, I, I don't know. It never really seems like anything is anything in this well, movie. I, I mean, I think the idea of incorporating various cultural Santa trappings is not a bad idea. No, good, if yeah. you want to create more of a story as to how Santa became Santa, like, that's fine. Why not? Like, just dive into that, cherry pick what you want and go for it. I think it's, again, just the fact that one of them is relatively secular and the other one is Christian. Now you're also saying that these things play nicely together. Now you're also saying that the Star of Bethlehem ties into Christmas, that it ties into the North Pole, that it powers the entire North Pole. They have a piece of the Star of Bethlehem. How do you get a piece of the Star of Bethlehem? I don't know. Don't worry about it. We can get another one. Don't oh, worry. but Santa does a ritual. Santa, yeah. by the way, yeah. right. he's the only one who can channel the power of the Star of Bethlehem. Yeah. What does that mean? Mm. Well, oh, yeah. How did he become immortal? Yeah, I mean, that's... I, I, I don't like it. I was and talking about watching mentions... Oh, yeah, then I'll just get the tree on top of... I'll just get the, the, the star to a tree on a village I'll make, and that'll keep me immortal for a while well, they while say, I figure so, it out. Yeah, they say, that the star, they say that the star makes you immortal. The star puts up the Aurora Borealis barrier that protects the North Pole mm-hmm. from people from coming in. Uh, yeah, no, I, I, I don't know what your problem is. There and you go. where there. and when did he meet and marry Mrs. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was waiting to, because he says that it was built. Right, he says that it was, right, and he also says that the village was founded before she got there. She came there and I guess started, like, really going gung-ho into making the village, like, yeah. a, a livable place. Yeah. But it was already there, created by him and the elves. What, and Mrs. Claus was just, like, some Nordic woman wandering around the north and all of a sudden, like, stumbled into him and was like, she oh. Did she come there before she was um, middle-aged and aged there, age up to that point, or did she arrive? a fully middle-aged woman. It'd be awkward if she wasn't, right? Uh, yeah, because he was probably still... Because he was, like, still pretty old in the flashbacks. Yeah, that's... And a he's not, like... like he, this is the thing. If he'd done that whole star thing and became immortal... That's weird if he aged up a little bit more before freezing, right? right? I mean, like, maybe that was just his choice, where right? he's like, yeah, 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 I know. I got an image to keep. Yeah, that's right. I think, I think I'd look pretty good with the gray hair, so I gotta yeah. keep going for a yeah, little bit Yeah, these are the kind of questions that you don't, I mean, listen, I guess any, even in movies that are, are better at world building, we'd have questions, but like, there's too many questions. Well, it's just, I, I think it's just a question of when you do a very simple sort of world building versus when you make it overly complicated. Yeah. And I think the example I brought up before, and I'll always bring up, is Elf. Like, what's the deal with Santa and Elf? I don't know, he's Santa Claus, he goes to the North Pole, he makes toys, like, he's got elves, yeah. whatever. Like, but he, he doesn't, right, in, like, Santa, like Christmas spirits will make them fly. Yeah. He's not up there being like, ah, thankfully we've got the star up here keeping me young forever. <laughs> and, uh, Mrs. Claus is here, too. She's also young now. It's, but It's very, it's very under-established. Right, and that's, I think that's fine. I think that's the way you have to do it in these movies, is that, first of all, the focus shouldn't be entirely on Santa, which I guess is why you have the kids here. How did Buddy get up there in the first place? The he fell, he, orphan? he was, Santa was at the orphanage delivering presents, Buddy uh, climbed into his sack without okay. being noticed and was brought up to the North Pole. I 
I say. The elves took Bob him. Newhart elf Bob took Newhart. him, decided to adopt oh, him. R.I.P. He's alive, I'm pretty sure. Is he? I'm pretty sure he's like 94 Oh or my god! He's, what? Yeah. He's, he doesn't need this! <laughs> he doesn't need to live? No, but he doesn't need to be in... He doesn't need to do this. He doesn't do what? What are you talking about? What are you just talking about? We're not talking about him being anything. We're just we're just talking. Oh, I think about like being in this I, movie. Chris yeah. went on screensaver or something for a minute there and just did <laughs> that to us. Bob Newhart in general. Yeah, he doesn't need to be alive according That's to Chris Rowell. No, so, uh, yeah, yeah, put that quote out there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Bob <laughs> Newhart yeah, doesn't yeah. need. Merry to be fucking Christmas, Christmas, Bob I thought you Newhart. Were saying, like he doesn't. He could have been spared this year. <laughs> no, I thought. I thought that you... <laughs> <laughs> Why must you suffer, Bob? No one needs to be 94 in this year. <laughs> All right. Next I mean, time I'll just move the mouse a little bit whenever we're talking. Keep Chris away. Thank you so much. Yeah. Did we have anything else to say about kind of like the relationship between... No, I just mean this I mean, movie and the last things, one. But I yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you could go on for the entire episode just about how improbable so much of this is. I mean, I feel like if you were doing a sequel to The Christmas Chronicles, a natural thought might be, well, what if we had to focus on the fact that mom is eventually going to get a new boyfriend? Which I think is a very solid idea, by the way. I don't think... I, Chris's point, like, I think you could have easily just fuck these kids, make a new movie with new right. kids. It got new Problems. Right. That's which Santa. honestly, we're all here for Santa. When I had heard that there was a sequel to Christmas Chronicles, that's what I thought it was going to be. Right. I didn't think the kids would be in it at all, but, and it'd be entirely different. Yes, yeah, but I agree with you. The new boyfriend is enough. You don't need daddy grief. It's enough. Right. Like it's awkward, you know, being a teenager having to have a new stepdad. I think the issue of our mom is moving on from our dead father with a new boyfriend, and he's here. I mean, I think the situation of like new boyfriend is taking the whole family on Chris- Christmas vacation. I mean, setting aside the fact that apparently Dad's favorite song was "Oh Christmas Tree," I get that Christmas was a was a thing that was like really heavily associated with their father. I get that this is all very touchy for her. However, nothing that happens in this movie actually addresses that issue for her at all. And I don't think meeting her twelve year old father back in nineteen ninety does anything for her. No, that feels like some sort of, like, Marvel-esque callback that no one asked for, because it's just the Christmas Chronicle. Right, right. No one really cares. Yeah. I guess... I don't care about these kids that much. One of the things I kept coming back to when I was watching this movie was, why does it keep opening doors to complicated, hard things in service of its, like, feather-light, stupid movie? I mean, yeah, yeah. Because we have time travel... We have mom moving on with a new boyfriend. We have meeting dad when he's a child. Like, there's just a lot of well, shit happening in this movie. Is a big one. Yeah, I, I guess for me, the idea is not so much that it's asking these questions, that it resolves them very, very quickly and very easily. Yes. So it's like, like mom's moving on. Oh, well, we're going to be okay with it. We met dad as a child. Well, we got to hug him and say how much we liked him. Now we're yeah. moving on. And now we like, leave, basically. It's like opening, uh, open less doors. <clears throat> yeah, right. Open exactly. Doors. Right. This movie has a lot of little, like almost everything in this movie feels like a subplot that resolves itself very quickly. Like yeah. you have the whole thing where a little boy has to go and find that particular weed to make the elf Bane mm-hmm. pure. And so like you assume that like, oh, the entire, his entire like deal for most of the movie is going to be him on this quest. You get one scene of him finding it. He takes it down. He throws an exploding cookie at Joel of the Yule Cat and then like eats a cookie to make him brave. And it's like, wow, I must be super brave now. Bye. And goes yeah. back to the North Pole. We're done. Wash your hands. This kid is out of the picture now. Every point. single conflict they bring up is resolved within two to three scenes. Right. So it's like, we, oh, we have if to go not to, in right. the scene in which we have to go introduced. to Turkey to get a new star Bethlehem. Okay. We did. Yeah. That. Then they did it. Yeah. Or, then we did. Then oh we come back God. and then, oh no, he's sending us back in time. Well, we got to go back to the regular time. That's okay. Well, he's like sending us back in time. Oh my God. I just met my younger father and also the Christmas spirit is so low at this airport. Well, whatever. Both problems are solved with in minutes 
and we just move on. Yeah. It's hard to care about anything in a movie in which all conflict is solved within seconds of being introduced to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then I guess the idea at the end with Belsnickel is that his story wraps up so... in the, like, the way that you would think it would, right, is that he just goes back and he's like, hey, I always did like you guys. And like, well, we always liked you too. I... Couldn't have done this an hour ago, huh? If you were to divide this movie into two general plot lines in which you could say one is Belsnickel's arc for whatever that is and the other is the daughter's arc for whatever that is. Yeah. Both of them go through every single beat that you could possibly predict after watching the first 10 minutes of the movie. So once you're you're already there, the rest of the movie is just like... Yeah. I guess before we move on, it is worth it to note, I guess this movie was probably for kids, but I don't know. It's still crappy. <laughs> probably. They say stuck, and that feels, that feels harsh. That's yeah, that's true. Harsh. Certainly not Hallmark. Get out of there. That suck. So we've, um, we've pretty decently explored, I think, kind of the, the changes coming from one to two, or at least I think we've explored the really important parts. As, as Brendan mentioned, we could go on and on. What was our second topic? The other thing we were going to talk about was, I think, just a little bit about the new things that are brought into this movie. Yes. The character of Bell Snickle and it's a secondary point. We did, we did. And the secondary point, the character of Joel of the Yule Cat, which I do think we've covered a lot of that. I was telling me these are characters with bases in various mythologies. Mm -hmm. Joel of the Yule Cat is like somehow Scandinavian. He's basically just this enormous cat that shows up and like eats people if they don't make enough clothes or something stupid. I don't know. It's, it's European. Who cares? As a concept, I kind of think that Joel the Yule Cat is an interesting idea for me in this movie. And that I kind of like this just like big animal that is in the North Pole is constantly trying to eat the reindeer and just causing a general ruckus for Santa. I think... Well, I like the idea that the, that this North, the North Pole isn't like sort of this peaceful, happy... Right, right. Like, yeah, actually, you, like there's... <laughs> People constantly trying to get in the Right, game. right, right. And you've got a, down. a fucking enormous snow leopard it's, it's out there. It's actually like a frozen Mad Max house. Yes. It's really. Which I, I think makes the North Pole a little bit more interesting than it perhaps should have been yeah. in this movie. Well, and that it's like, it's ex- it has this sort of Wakanda-esque existence. Right? <laughs> yeah. It exists right. behind this, this Aurora Borealis right. veil of right. invisibility. Right. Yeah, but outside of it are all these like horrific folkloric creatures. And, and, yeah. and they're also like, what, like 10 to 100 times better than anything humans can do? Because at one point Santa's like, yeah, if, like, every manufacturer and Amazon and this, that, and the other got together and, like, worked to quadruple the capacity for a whole year, they might do what we do in a day. They also are good at making shit, I guess. Yeah, I and shipping shit. We yeah, see them shit. We see them break down two giant Lego statues and then rebuild them in the shape of the two kids. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to what we're talking about with the religion aspect and bring that in. It's interesting because that's kind of like what Christmas already is, where it's like, let's get some pagans on board with right, Christ. Right, right. So we'll take the tree. We'll take Saturnalia. And, and, yeah. and then be like, but really, it's about Jesus now. Yeah, we'll, and we'll bring all the shit that pagans love. Pagans love gifts yep. and trees and like, sure, Candles. you got a weird cat that eats people. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we'll put we'll put this like you know this weird gnome that like smacks you if you're bad right. and that guy in there and these so, like, weird small folk that it, make toys it kind of like it could have worked a little bit more seamlessly because that is kind of what Christmas already is where right. like, there is a religious aspect but it it is also very much about these crazy folkloric things of wherever you're from being involved with it. Right. The only other kind of bit of mythos we get the kind of exp- I kind of wish we had gotten another trip inside his bag by the way. Because yeah, that was sort of funny. Yeah, that was in the, the first one. The fact is a weird... It's not even, like... It barely matters. It doesn't really matter in this movie. Like, no. he doesn't no. really... Yeah. 
We don't even see him deliver because it's not even Christmas. Right, no, it's before Christmas. Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. Do we even feel much of the ticking clock of Christmas this time? Because they, well, say, they say at one point, Christmas is three days away. Right, like she does say that, but it doesn't really matter. It doesn't yeah. matter. They've resolved it well before. I mean, also, again, we've got time travel, so who cares anymore? It, it does frustrate me that, like, every conflict in here is resolved too quickly yeah. for it to become a core conflict. I mean, the idea that Bell Snickle has invented not only a gravity lift, but a time machine feels like a major. That's lampshaded. Well, right, so well, this is. With a shrug from Santa who's like, he's having to discover time travel. But it's not that good. Yeah. Power by triple A battery. Yeah. <laughs> Could it be? So what I, I wanted Fucking, to if you told me that the time is just power triple A, I'd be like, what the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. I would honestly be more impressed That's if you're able to make that takes. work. Yeah. Three triple A's? <laughs> So the thing that I want to go into, and I guess this is as good a place as any, is the whole time travel thing. And the time travel... Let's go. The time travel <laughs> subplot for me is, I think, my least favorite thing in this movie. It's the thing I hate the most, the thing that I wish was omitted from this movie yeah. so much. So first of all, to begin with, the movie sort of plays at the idea that maybe Santa had something to do with the fact that they were sent back in time, despite the fact that it wasn't him who did it, it was Belsnickel who did it. But then at the end, Katie's like, thanks for taking me back in time to see my dad. And he's like, well, you know, Katie, I didn't have anything to do with that. She's like, sure you didn't, Santa, winky winky. Right. Maybe he... Like directed it to Logan. That's I mean that's what that's like the, the when he realized yeah. they were being sucked back. Yeah. I think that must be it. Like that, that is what I will assume that it means is that they were being sent back in time to Boston, nineteen ninety. Santa was the one who was like, oh, I remember where your dad was at this point in time. He was at the airport. Let's land there. Yeah. We'll give you a little scene with that. Nonetheless, this movie has time travel. Time travel is real now. We can time travel. At the <laughs> first of all. I think the first thing that I would consider doing, if I went back in time and saw my dead parent at the airport, who we don't know, to be fair, in the first movie, they never explicitly say how the dad died, but they say he's a firefighter. See, I think they also say he died suddenly. So my assumption is that he died in a fire, probably. I think if I went back in time and saw my parent who died in a fire, I'd be like, hey, this is going to sound really weird, but on this date, don't go to the fire. It's a very bad thing to do. And try and change the future. If that doesn't happen, I think I would still wait until the end of the movie, talk to Santa, and be like, hey, incidentally, now that you've developed time travel, what if we went back in time, like, a day before my dad died and stopped him from dying. If this child is dealing with the repercussions of her dead father, it doesn't even cross her mind yeah. to be like, I could alter the course of history and bring him back. It like, that is, your movie right there is about time travel now. If you throw in fucking time travel, you can't just wipe it away and be like, and we're done. That's my okay. issue. I feel like if we're going to introduce time travel on that scale and make it a whole thing, that cannot be a one-off sequence, which it is in this movie, and I well, think that's really weird. All right. I'm of two minds about this, because there's uh, this brings to mind, uh, so I watched The Timeless Christmas. Maybe it'll be the Oh, yeah. Timeless Christmas. I don't know. But here's the thing about that, is that the main crux of that movie, a movie where it's a shitty Christmas movie by a guy from the past gets sent to the future to celebrate Christmas, and his house has become a museum about himself staffed by people staffed by a woman who did a PhD about him run by a woman a, a dissertation basically about how he disappeared <laughs> seriously the day he disappears because he traveled to 2020 and the whole movie everyone's trying to help him well she's trying to help him like get back to the past she never wants thinks about like what happens to my PhD in your disappearance and like what happens to this museum that is like dedicated to you and like a big part of that is how you disappeared mysteriously it's like, kind of she like go back in time and she's like wakes up and she finds that she's still a grad student all these years later because she never found a good yeah. thesis for her PhD they, they never wonder they, they never. in that one it's like he's gotta go back but they never think about like what happens if you change the past don't we all stop existing because right. that's, that's all you have to do is have him be like well we can't do that because all of these other things wouldn't have happened yeah. you can't like nullify Right. They, you just have to have a throwaway line, but they don't do that. And I, I guess to me, it just doesn't make any sense why you would go back into the past only to not spend more time there on this thing that you've already established is a huge deal to the main it character. Could, it could have easily been, by the way, like not a time machine, but like it's like a rift. 
opened in Couldn't this Couldn't it have been a video? Couldn't it well, have been one of the Christmas Chronicles? If you remember, we've already established that they have an ornament with their dad's soul trapped inside of it from the end of the first movie. Oh, That's yeah. True. I mean, in general, that whole flashback brings us almost nothing. I mean, yeah. nothing! Allegedly, she cares about her dad, but I don't buy that as an art. It brings her it's closure in some way. It brings her right. closure, but it has no connection to what she was struggling with, which yeah. I find they, annoying. They could just have easily have crash-landed in the middle of a tundra somewhere and, and spent 20 minutes trying to get out. You know, like, yeah. it doesn't matter. Yeah. yeah. Well, they just but, get waylaid. That's, but, that that but whole person that is they get waylaid but, and then leave. No, 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 no. We would also not have had that beautiful song no, thank that you. brings Christmas spirit back no. up at Logan International <laughs> Airport. You should have just gotten the E Street Band Boy again. Which, by the way, <laughs> yeah, it's boggling to me that they had Santa's coming the to same, town last year. Right. Imagine the same boy, the same band. Like Mark Van Zandt's same before they went to prison. <laughs> were they half? Oh no! Yeah. Okay. And then Santa says the time travel. Right. Yeah. And Santa says at the end, like, now don't do any crimes. And they're like, wow, we're gonna turn our life around. Yeah. It's you set up this story where she's feeling a certain kind of way because she's still hung up on her dad. Fine, it wasn't a thing in the movie, whatever. But that your plot for this movie is that she's hung up on her dad and it's coming up now that her mom's with a new boyfriend. Fine. Yeah. But then why would you go back in time to have her meet him? And then have that lead to basically nothing. So then it feels like that whole scene was just set up for Kurt Russell and, like, to have another song. But, I mean, like, you could have another song without that. You exactly! Know? Like, Kurt Russell having a song is, like, the least of that scene's focus. But they had know? to make it sort of like the last one, where it's, like... And that's fine. A place I, where everyone's normally grumpy. Right, but what like I'm saying is, like... Or an airport. You could still land at Logan Airport, have everyone be grumpy, and then have Santa be like, Oh, I gotta sing a song to make y'all happy again. Right. And they do, and then they leave. You don't need the whole thing where it's, like, she gets detained by <laughs> the company Miners, and then she meets her dad, who's also been detained. Well, because she's also using 2020 money. That's right. She's using 2020 well, money. Which is not Nobody's using money printed that. Yeah, I was wondering that too. Like, I don't think I've ever seen a 2020 bill, you know? Yeah. Admittedly, I get it. Our money does look different from how it looked in 1990. We have different money now. Nonetheless, you wouldn't look at it and be like, it says 2020. Well, You'd be like, it says 2017. Like you said, though, we wouldn't have gotten to see the sparkling wit of Chris Columbus's daughter. That's right. <laughs> His other daughter, not the one who. Well, she was in the Harry Potter movies, but she's not the one who's in every other fucking shot. Really? The first two. Yeah, he has one daughter who's like with um, Emma Thompson. Like, almost anytime you see her on screen, she's like sitting right next to her like he pokes her head and like hey guys I did not I'm gonna listen to you okay well Chris Columbus really wants his family to be in the films yes did we have anything else I guess about like what Christmas magic like are we even discussing in this movie I guess then like yeah let's move on to characters who do you want to talk about well I mean okay Kurt Russell again great we love Kurt Russell Kurt Russell, Goldie Hawn do good work. Yeah, they're a great pair. It's nice to see them together. They, they good tie for MVP, yeah. I think. The only thing I would have to say is there's this really weird implication that she wishes they had children, which I guess is supposed to tie into the idea that Belsnickel is their adopted son. Yeah. But, like, throughout the movie, she's like, oh, like, oh, how nice it is to have children here at the North yeah, Pole. Like, she's we like, I'll be sad when they leave. Right. It's, and I guess it's supposed to tie into the idea that, like, once Belsnickel comes back, he becomes, like, their son. <laughs> but it still feels like it's kind of an unresolved thing that they bring up. And I also think that we may be, this may be going off a little far, but I think we get that because Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn are actually, like, good actors who know how to sell a feeling to an audience, so I think they were able to sell that feeling to us because they're good at what they're doing. I wonder if that was in the text, or if that were if we would have had that similar feeling with different actors. I can imagine that, but I'm also unclear... I, it definitely feels like she wants kids, but I'm unclear why they could. Like, what's the going? Right, like, what stops you from having kids? At what kids? age do they meet and get married? Was she already past sort of childbearing yes. age? And like, or, yeah. or was it like? Did or she, was she with him in Turkey? Way yeah. back when, in yeah. thirteen, whenever. Is there another reason <laughs> she couldn't have kids, or they couldn't have kids, or like what? 
it seems like if you're going to make a deal out of that line, which I think they'd make enough of a deal, that there should be a, a, a revelation of why they can't have kids. Right. They find out that immortality is no panacea for a woman's biological clock. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Do you think that... Keeping that one in. If anything, I would have thought that maybe they had kids that have already died. Or I was thinking that perhaps uh, the Aurora Borealis rendered Santa Claus sterile. Oh my Star <laughs> it's slightly radioactive. Yeah. Well, it's Whether I'm like, sorry, this is the price. <laughs> just get IVF, though. Um, <laughs> That's true. But, I mean, well, no, I agree with you. But it's sort of like, it, it, like at no point for the hundreds of years they've been doing they never encounter like, I don't know, like a baby left alone in the right. woods yeah. or something, you like an orphan kid. You could have a kid if you wanted a kid. Right. Ways. Like, yeah. You're Santa. You make everything else happen. That's right. I also wondered, I wondered is, is this the aloud. no place to raise a child? <laughs> I mean, a lot of conveyor belts. There's a, fucking, there's a mean, lot of... Reindeer reading cats out there, and That's it also true. doesn't seem to take much for the elves to go feral. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't want an elf throwing a snowball yeah. at your kid, <laughs> or playing who let the dogs out. Yeah, Ugh. who wants to expose their child to who let the dogs and out? And then like making the record scratch. I you believe. Yes. Imagine um, your children knowing about the Baja men before they're too old to. <laughs> I have to say, I, re- I legit was like uh, not scandalized, but a little horrified by the by the boy at one point just smacking elves with a tennis racket. Yeah, <laughs> it felt a bit much. It's a little much. It felt a little violent for this movie. <laughs> yeah. Truly, I also uh, Jola ate their children. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that what you know, I'm just saying it would provide some sort of emotional backbone for Jola. Jola, who I'm so confused whether or not they were sentient enough to be in on Belsnickel's plan or if they just happened to be around, still not I sure. I mean, Jola likes Belsnickel because we see Jola come yeah. over and lick him at the beginning. That's true. So, like, I guess they're friends. Goldie Hawn has a very odd hairstyle in this movie where... INDB Trivia says it's supposed to be a reference to a Christmas ornament. Oh, take so that, that's what that thing is. Take that, that as you will. Yeah, I mean, it's, again, it's INDB Trivia. Who knows what idiot wrote it? But. Of course. But her hair is sort of, is sort of circular and then it it does almost look like it has like a like a it's, space there's like a for butt a on top to and then there's like a little loop atop of that so it looks like a traditional Christmas ornament hook. Yeah, she also made the hook level fantastical meal we all wish we had where it was like yeah, yeah it's broccoli but it looks and tastes like right. cake. Want some yeah. green well, cake? It was yeah, it's green cake, it's broccoli and there's yeah. like macarons that are probably Brussels sprouts. Right, yeah. <laughs> it's all good for you and provides vitamins. I just, you know, it sounds fine. Yeah, I I did appreciate that because I felt like that is probably a fantasy that I would have had as a child. Like, wouldn't that be cool if... Um, I mean, that's literally well, pretty cool. I'm looking at it now. I literally paid absolutely no mind to her hair the entire movie. <laughs> now I'm like, yeah, that is a bit weird, but it didn't even register to me until now. <laughs> I mean, there is a lot of shit going on. I mean, it, it, it <laughs> reads, yeah. yeah. I think it just reads as, like, crappy Queen Emma Dollar Princess Leia yeah. stylings. Okay, so I don't even, really, who's who's below them on the ladder? I, I mean, like, right, well, if there's anyone worth talking about, like... It's Belsnickel? I guess. <laughs> I mean, he's fine. Like, I don't have an issue with, again, I don't, I don't have know. an issue with the kid playing him. I think because he kind of looks like an elf. His that face is, has some of the similar he, shapes. He has like, what a casting person would have called an interesting look. Yes. Yeah. He has a look that if you were to see a CGI elf version of him, you'd be like, be like oh, sure. okay, same person. Look, Got it. He looks a bit impish. He, yeah. Yeah, like... Kind he of has kind of like a petulant look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I truly think that's it. He has a lot of weird lines to sell. He wears a lot of jackets without sleeves, which is like the universal sign. A lot of pins on them. I mean, he gave me, give me big Rufio vibes. Yes. (laughs) Like, he's kind of like this rebel, like the rebel wash. Right, right, right. Fingerless gloves. Yeah, you just need like the safety pins attached to his vest or something. Yeah. 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 Um, There's not much to him, really. I mean, no, again, I don't have an issue with the kid. He's just sort of like a fallen. I have an issue with the villain. It's a shitty villain. It's a shitty villain. It's got a very easy, very unearned resolution. Yeah. Teddy's barely there. So we can't even talk about him. Brother? Yeah. 
Yeah, he's he's in Cancun with the family, but um, he's some, so horny. Some lady. Yeah, yeah, he's super horny. He wants to go scuba diving with this hot girl. Yeah, Jack feels a bit off to me at times. Like a little kid. Yeah, I yeah. didn't like his character at all. Yeah, it felt a bit too like precocious. Right, because you have the whole thing where he's like, "I've got so much anxiety, yeah, allergies." I've got, I've got, yeah, I'm lactose intolerant. Yeah, I believe I have quirky oh. lines. Like I believe in a chain of command. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's one of those like it, it's almost like John Hughesian level. Like, yes, kid who is yeah. wise beyond their years, but like precocious and smarmy. About I also it. get that this might be a little bit more nitpicky than a movie the shitty really is calling for, but. The the fact that Jack is like so anxious and so such a hypochondriac and so rule, rules oriented, you would think you would see that in any of his father, but you don't. He well, his dad barely be, matters. I know, but I'm just saying. <laughs> like, the dad you, seems like a pretty chill guy. Yeah, you'd he does. think whatever scenes you had with him would be used to establish where any yeah. of that is coming from, but he's very loose and easygoing. Yeah. If you wanted to establish this kid as like anxious or like a bit nerdy or whatever, you'd think that the dad would have some sort of rapport with him where he's like, all right, let's do our like five steps for you to go into the kid program without right. having a freak out. Right, or, right, right. No, like some sort of like little cute thing like. To, that he because he, he, he knows that he has kind of a weird kid, yeah, right. with a lot but of anxiety. But they seem just like really cool. Yeah, to be honest, yeah. both both him and the mom don't really seem that invested in their. They kind of come off as bad parents in this movie a little bit. Yeah, they do kind of fuck they off. Do. <laughs> they do. Their whole thing is basically well, they got a free ticket to like sleep over at the ruins on Christmas Eve. So yeah. uh, okay, that's what's bonkers to me. I get you want to go and see those ruins. Totally understand. Two things. Don't understand why that couldn't have been a family trip. I get that the ticket was for two. Come on. But also, you're really going to be like, hey, kids, we're leaving you on Christmas Eve at Wait, this resort okay, so to stay the in the kids' sleepover room I think it must be it must be Christmas Eve Eve, right? Because they say it's three days until Christmas. Mm. So oh. when I think it is they're going on, like, the 23rd, they'll be back on the 24th. Okay. That is my guess. I'm, not, I'm still not saying it's not a stupid thing to do, <laughs> but I'm saying, like, I don't think it's Christmas Eve. That's, like, one less dumb aspect. Okay, 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 okay. I think it's still pretty dumb, but I digress. Yeah. But uh, to put your, your like... Uh, adolescent bear coming on teenager daughter and, and make her go with like these fights into the kids right house. like yeah like it's like dumping her off at the ball pit at Ikea and be yes. like well have fun bye yeah like take her with you or just yeah. let her go on or her own you're at a fucking resort <laughs> yeah or like just have Teddy just keep an eye on her yeah right? I mean seriously like it's shit. again it's a resort she can't get that far although I guess she certainly tries to get a flight back to Boston yeah <laughs> she gets pretty far she does she gets, yeah. she gets on the golf cart she gets, yeah she gets to the North Pole yeah I mean she does get pretty far and to Boston 1990 yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. um <laughs> Was there any other characters besides, like, the kids? Uh, I think the one thing that I think this movie could have used more of from the first one is Bing Bellamy, that little son of a bitch. So Bing Bellamy was a kid on the tape that Santa was watching at one point who's like, Hi, I'm Bing Bellamy, and I want to snowboard. Oh, right. He is, That's, uh, um, he is Kate Hudson's son yes, in real that life. Yes, she had with Matthew Bellamy. Yes, exactly. Her real-life son. I fucking hate that little shit. Wait, God. that's the kid's... That's the actor's name? Yeah, it's the actor and his... Real, it is the kid, like, as himself, as Bing Bellamy. Oh. So he's, like, playing Bing <laughs> Bellamy. He's Ping Bellamy and he's playing Big yes, Bellamy. Yes, yes, he is the Bing Bellamy of he's, our time. Bing Bellamy what has is himself. His name, Bing, Bing Bellamy? Bellamy? Because his parents <laughs> are Kate Hudson and the lead singer yeah. from Muse. Is the is either of their names Bellamy? His last name. The father's Matthew, last name is Matthew Bellamy. Bellamy. I was like, yeah. do they do they want to just made a new talk name. about their favorite actors, Bing Crosby and Ralph Bellamy? Yes. <laughs> Well, then it would be acceptable. Old timey actor name. <laughs> um, I hope you'll be just like these two when you grow up. In <laughs> be, the, be this famous guy who never got the girl, yep. and a guy who, <laughs> who beats his kids. kids. Yeah, yep. <laughs> a winning combination, <laughs> young Bingham. I guess I don't really have anything more to say about these characters except, except Bingham. 
Except fuck being fucking little shit. Um, but the, at the end of this movie, for whatever reason, all the people, uh, the, the family we are following in Cancun just randomly walk to the beach and start singing Oh Christmas Tree at the moon. Yep, mm. as one does. And I understand that scene is supposed to set up this, like, sweep that happens later where, like, the Aurora Borealis writes, like, what a Merry Christmas or whatever the fuck. Happy in front of them. It was a real twist. But yeah. then that moment doesn't make any sense unless you work backwards from there. So why did they walk out to the beach? To I mean, they walked out. They, they did it just because they say at the beginning, like, what if we sang carols later? Wouldn't it be fun to sing carols? And I get it. It's stupid that they're walking out to the beach and singing into the sunset. I mean, it's also stupid that Oh Christmas Tree is the dad's favorite. Look, I'm telling you, there's a fucking Spotify playlist that's 90 different versions <laughs> of Oh Christmas Tree. Not so whenever he was with the other firefighters, he'd be like, all right, we got to psych ourselves up to fight this fire. Not- I'm going to put on Mannheim Steamroller's Oh Christmas oh my Tree. God. That, that might work, but, yeah. but not... They're pretty epic. Not they like, are. Not, I mean, I feel like that's such an easy writing fix. You just say, oh, that was his favorite Christmas carol, and he yeah. really loved Christmas, I know, and, I'm sure, and it's Christmas now. Again, I'm sure that's what they meant. I'm sure they just didn't think it through. The line was, it's his favorite I, song. Chris, I saw it. I understand what the line was. What I'm saying is I think for sure if you asked the writers they would have said oh we meant Christmas Carol but they just literally didn't think of the implications of I, saying I, his favorite song I, is Oh I, Christmas I, Tree I don't care if they meant Christmas Carol I still think it's no Oh Christmas Tree is no one's favorite it's like fucking snoozer right it's like a German in the 1800s would have yeah. said like oh it's my favorite it's, Christmas Carol Oh Christmas Carol. Tree Oh Christmas Tree How Pretty Are Your Branches it's a minute step above Silent Night yeah <laughs> like who the fuck wants to listen to that song right. what a banger it is also like I know this is jumping back to the beginning. That's how we are next to me reading Christmas Carols. Is it a bop? Is it a banger? <laughs> is it a bop or is it a banger? It is um, mega forest that Tyrese just comes up to them in that scene closer to the beginning where he just starts singing a Christmas tree and then we're supposed to be like, oh, that was Dad's song. Like, it's so... I, I do love the Yeah, bomb. that's what we should have ended up with was, right? It was like, the yeah, the kid uh, trying to raise person's spirit. Dad yeah. Yeah. Singing a Christmas tree in Logan Airport. That's like, what I'm saying. That like, would have like, paid it off. Right, I'm, not, I'm not saying, like, it, I don't think it should be, no, it should have been like a song from, I don't like the 60s or something that we could have done sure, more contemporary yeah. like that would have made a little bit more sense what I do like about the scene where like he, Tyrese starts singing it and like the daughter huffs away is that Bob's like that was his favorite Christmas girl and Tyrese is like oh I didn't know and she's like well how could you yeah. so I just say like well it's improbable that oh Christmas tree <laughs> I agree with you. As if she's saying, like, yeah, I can't account for my fucking weird dead husband's taste either. Yeah. Um, do we have anything else we want to say about this movie? Not really. No. I have, I mean, before we get into fixes, I want to preface by saying I found this a hard movie to fix because I found it a hard movie to kind of give a shit about. Yeah, I didn't like this movie. So, um, should we start? Yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good... I've so I've got like I don't really have like a fix. Yeah, go go go. But this is what I have. So I think the only way to make this movie at all interesting is just to throw everything out and start anew, right? Sure, that's what and I. And so do. like yeah, yeah, that's what you should do. I don't think there's enough here you can actually fix. Go back to the drawing board. Right. Netflix. <laughs> right. So I, I guess my thought is if the first movie is about these two kids sort of figuring out their relationship with each other and their dead father, maybe the second movie should be just a focus on them and their mother because now their mother is like the only part of their family there, and maybe you can kind of do with the fact like oh she's starting to go on dates again, but not like. She She's dating this guy. is super serious. He's taking us to Cancun. I think he's going to propose to her. So maybe it's just a focus on that. And so what I was thinking, when I was doing my research online, looking up Joel of the Yule Cat, as you do. Yeah. Uh, I just would love to have known what that day of Googling was like, where you had to kind of like get up the, just to type in Joel. I was just on DeviantArt Yolcat. typing in Joel of the Yule so, Joel of the Yule Cat is just, like, as I already said, it's this big cat. Uh, it eats people who have not received any new clothes toy before Christmas Eve. That is Joel's deal. You have to receive yeah. clothes? Yeah, right. I know, right? Like, well, all right, exactly. You're putting the burden on other people to prevent Joel yeah. from eating you. That is insane. 
Anyways, so what Joel is tied into is this character called Gryla, a giantess who wants to eat mischievous children. Like, right, like, I'm not saying we're hanging to that. The thing that I really loved about this, though, is that she has 13 sons who are called the Yule Lads. <laughs> In my mind, what they really? are is they are just typical British lads, lads. dressed up in like lads, dressed up in like listen, you gotta get the lads out, dressed up in like Scandinavian costumes, and all these lads. I didn't like bother going into it, but all these lads have names that refer to what their deal is. One of them is called like yogurt eater or something like that because his thing is like he eats all your yogurt. And yeah. so what I wanted to do is I think the idea of using this character Gryla the Giantess and her Yule lads as sort of a dark mirror for like their their mom and the relationship she has with them is something you could kind of explore. And the reason why I think Gryla would be a good character is because to play her, you would cast Joan Cusack to play Gryla the Giantess. Because Joan Cusack has been in two of the Netflix Christmas movies and has been a great part of all of them. She's been in Claws. Claws? Claws! She was in She was! Right, the actual good one. And she was in Let It Snow, the bad one. But still good. But still good. Right. But also great. So what I'm saying is if you want to add a shot of energy to your Christmas movie, look no further than Joan Cusack. So how Joan Cusack played this fucking, like, Nordic giantess ice woman mm -hmm. and you have the whole metaphors of like she's keeping things frozen and ever and it's like you want you want your life to stay frozen you don't ever want to progress beyond that and so like you have her as like the antithesis of your mom and you have her Yule lads as like these louts who run around doing her bidding and you've got Joel of the Yule cat in there too for shits and giggles mm -hmm. so I don't really have an actual storyline but I'm just saying like if you wanted to tie into something that I think could spring from the first movie focus on the relationship with the mom and if you're focusing on the relationship with the mom throw in Joan Cusack I similarly have a very quick one. Yeah, go ahead. It's it's all about it. I have mine's pretty quick, but quite I disposable. I was similarly yeah. just like I guess my fix is I would not make these choices um, because I found this movie to be worse yeah, than that worse. first one. I thought that first one was so much better. I think the first one was like inoffensive. This one is just sort of. Well, it, I don't want to sit through this. It's annoying for how like uncreative and unfun it is. Yeah. Um, in for my fix, what I was thinking would be before Brendan had kind of shared the knowledge that Jola the Yule Cat even and Bellsnickel even came from something. I was operating on the assumption that these were absolute inventions on the part of Netflix in the movie. Yeah. So in my mind, I was like, okay, I guess if we're gonna do that shit, then my thought would have been. What if we did some sort of thing where we have new kids, completely new kids, but in this situation, maybe we have a sort of like, the events of the Nutcracker are popping off again because you could even say like some descendant of Drosselmeyer has decided to make a new Nutcracker or multiple Nutcrackers and start wreaking havoc with people and taking them off into the crazy <laughs> Christmas magic land. Wait, so Drosselmeyer's in it now and he's the villain? Or, well, or Drosselmeyer Jr. 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 Yeah, okay. this is more like Drosselmeyer's like great-grandchild who's, <laughs> illegitimate who's kind of like going in a mad science direction. Okay. And um, uh, I have to be honest, I didn't really think of a compelling plot around this. I just thought it would have been more fun to reference something we knew and take it in an unexpected direction. Like maybe you could have Kurt Russell and whatever band of kids he has. Maybe they are very familiar with the Nutcracker and they're able to kind of like be very genre savvy and entertaining way to get through that story. But I guess I just found myself disappointed with what felt like very thin mythologizing when I just thought it would have been more fun to invoke something we already knew and could play around with. And that in this case, it could be like, you know, no one's looking to become queen of the four realms or whatever the fuck it is within Nutcracker. It would just be like a fun Christmassy adventure, which is what you fucking tune in to Christmas Chronicles for. Not a series of what sound on the surface like major issues being resolved in five minutes. I have a question with you, though, Chris. Yeah. Who's going to dance with Daddy? <laughs> Me! <Yeah. laughs> I dance with Daddy. 
The credits are just me dancing <laughs> daddy. But then we do mean Kurt Russell. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I would full beard, full costume. <laughs> I need Goldie Hawn in full costume to be watching us jealously as it happens. <laughs> it's, it's like, Goldie Hawn and Kurt Russell start dancing. You come like, uh, uh, out of the way, missus. May I cut in? <laughs> Anyway, I have to be honest, I, I found this movie hard to care about and therefore hard to really invest into a fix, but I I guess my fix would be um, find a better Christmas tale like The Nutcracker and just play with that instead. Yeah. All right. I got confused. This might sound like a mess halfway through, but so I initially when we were watching this midway, I was like, I think I think what I want to do then is I really agree that the kid thing is a weird thing to drop in that she seems really into having kids and she seems really sad about not being able to have kids. And you have this like uh, Bell Snickle character who acts a lot like a spurned child, like a spurned mm-hmm. child or spurned child, but, but isn't. He's an elf. So fuck it. He'll just be a kid. He'll just be Santa's kid who maybe was an orphan or someone, and, like, that's what they mean when they said that she, we haven't had kids here in a while, that they used to, that they had raised a kid who ran away at some point because he was, like, an angsty teen, uh-huh. doing angsty teen stuff. Um, and so you'd keep, like, Bell Snickle in there as, like, an angsty teen, and you'd still have... Instead of this weird I, weird arc about the dad, sad about your dad being dead, even though you should have worked that out three years ago at this point, um, and the new boyfriend, like, I... Would just throw all the way. You know, that family's fine. Kate's still in the movie. But she does have to, go. unfortunately, go to this stupid kid club thing because she's a year too young to be left by herself. Um, and there's, like, another unrelated boy there who also feels a bit like... Also is kind of like a, a spurned child or, mm. like, feels a bit, like, rejected by, by his dad. And he's the sort of cynical, bitter one this Christmas. And Kate's got her shit figured out. She's, you know, she's fine. She right. about three years ago. Right. And the same, you know, the same stuff, sort of stuff happens where, like, there's some sort of reason that they get sent to the North Pole out of this Bellsnickle thing. And the kid, well, he can still be called Jack. Jack's arc sort of works in tandem with Bellsnickles where, like, they, they, they both kind of work out their issues with their parents. And mm-hmm. in the end, like, they have, you know, if both families can have, like, a, a reconnection or reunite. Then halfway through, I was like, what if there's another villain entirely? And instead, Jack has a bad relationship with his dad. Um, his mm. dad's kind of, like, too bu- too busy for him, blah, 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 kind of an, an asshole. And maybe the dad is, is the villain here, or the, the sort of, like, one of the pseudo-villain. But what if what if actually the dad is their kid, and the dad left the North Pole and oh, grew up, and sort of Jack is, like, te- technically uh, Santa's grandson. Okay. So I think I like that better, but then I don't know how to have, like... That also feels a bit depressing, maybe because it's sort of like this cycle of dysfunction now in Santa's yeah. family, where, like, yeah. Santa had a dysfunctional... Right, and now this kid has a dysfunctional kid, yeah, yeah. But I, could, I think that could work. I think I kind of prefer that to, to like... I mean, yeah. I don't really like the character of Bill Stickle that much in terms of, like, his sort of wacky goofiness and, like, inventions, and I kind of do want more grounded villain. There's no reason I think you couldn't wrap up both of their dysfunctional cycles yeah, in one yeah. movie. Yeah, especially if, like, the reason why he's an asshole father is because Santa didn't know how to raise a kid at the time, right? Mm-hmm. It's the same kind of thing. So you kind of, like, figure out, like, you're all doing the right... And Katie's the one to be like, you all fucked up yeah, in this yeah, way. Let me, yeah. let me talk some sense into you. Me as 15-year-old or me. <laughs> I don't know how old she is. But, yeah. I think, so I think that's what I would do. But I, anyway, I'd make it explicitly about, like, they did have a kid... And the kid left because he, you know, the disagreements yeah. about how to how to handle shit. And they yeah. just, they work it out in the end. Yeah, easy. No, don't watch this, guys. Yeah, that's yeah. I don't recommend it, which is, makes me sad because I like I, Kurt Russell as Santa. I like Goldie Hawn. Like, yeah, I wish I could recommend I mean, a project with them in it. <laughs> 
I was happy to see both of them. Yeah. Um, I'm I, glad that they're um, getting paid. And having yeah. fun. Exactly. Fun. Right. They get to work together. They get yeah. to wear neat costumes. Right. Like, it's probably an enjoyable experience but for them. not a fun movie. No, yeah. really not a fun no, movie. No. I'm sure they had a lot more fun making it than I had watching it. Put it off your kids and then leave. Yeah, exactly. Split. <laughs> Go to Cancun. <laughs> Yep. Yes. Spend the night in those ruins. Put on Show them that, palace. and then like go into the other room and put on Dash and Lily. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the like you showed them watching other parents watching like a young adult series. And be like, no, get out, get out. This is for you, mommy and daddy. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we wouldn't recommend this. Nope, that's but a big no. I will say, being this drunk was helpful. In this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think fun. the drunker you are for this movie, the more enjoyable you might. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Or at least, like, well, I don't know, the more apt you are to have a good time with yeah, your friends. Being, being like, yeah, yeah. It helps. Although I have to say, though, your family, not your friends, are the ones who will always understand you and be there for yeah. you. So oh, that's what we fuck learned. Fuck you guys. Family <laughs> cares about you more. Yeah, so fuck you all. You guys and just don't get me. There's no such thing as a dysfunctional family. Right, right. All families are inherently good. You know what? There's also no such thing as a found family. Yeah, yeah. right. Which I, uh, as which a, is even weirder because Bell Snickles, their found child. He's not there for real. He's child. Thank you. I was actually thinking about that a lot, and I was also thinking about how it bums me out how few Christmas movies I've seen this year or in pretty much any other year mm-hmm. that really celebrates that idea. Yeah. Because it's always Blood Family. You must well, be close to your biological family. Lonely, though I am to say it, Love actually dips its toe in that pool at least a couple times. You have a little bit with, like, Bill Nye and his manager. Okay. Even though the entire movie has been Bill Nye being like, my manager's a fucking idiot. Right. He's so fat. And, and then he's like, I guess we're best friends. And they, uh, and honestly, their life just seems to be that they're best friends because they have no one else in right, either exactly. of their lives. Yeah. yeah. Didn't we also hypothesize that they might just, like, masturbate together all the well, time? Well, he says! He says at the end, like, let's go get drunk and watch porn. Which is just like, yeah. So, like, clearly they are probably, unless they're just both going to sit there and be like, oh, good production values. I Every time no ed- any of those jokes have been made about people jacking off together in movies, no judgment, but I feel like that joke almost gives the impression to people that this is, like, something that all men have been... I have never been in that situation. So whenever that joke either. has Hashtag come up in not all men. movies and TV shows, I've some like, men, yes. What? Yeah. Hashtag yes, some men. Yes, some men. Yes, That's some men. Definitely some men. Definitely many men, apparently. All right. Anyway. Well, we'll be back in two weeks with our closing of the year mini episode. Ugh. And we finally will be done with this year. Yeah. Hey, I was going to say, how does one close 2020? Uh, with By slamming the door? Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. We'll slam that door. Get a bunch of nails and plywood. Yeah, and just goosh, 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 goosh. All right, well, I think we should all look out the window and sing Oh Christmas Tree sure. to close out this episode. Oh, Christmas Tree? Oh, Christmas Tree. Oh, Christmas Tree. How lovely are thy branches. Oh, Christmas Tree. Bye. Bye.